What's up, guys? Welcome back to the S3 Magazine podcast. As always, I am Mike Sanders. That guy with the dreads there is Jonathan Woolley. Um, we don't really have a dedicated topic today. It's just kind of a conversation that me and Woolley got into uh, a couple hours ago talking about the future of modifying cars and the industry and the scene and where we kind of see it going. Uh, Woolley, you were super passionate about this when we were talking about it. I hope you still got that in you. So take it away. Hang it. Oh, yeah. Way to just hand it off. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> kind of. I don't know. There's no, this isn't news related. It's not really, there's no specific topic. It's just something we were talking about. And we're kind of like, all right, stop, stop talking about it. Cause we'll talk about it on a podcast. So uh, I guess we'll see where this goes. Uh, basically where it started off is recently, <clears throat> a couple days ago, I was in the Jeep and I was riding up, you know, like a little four lane highway or whatever, no stoplights, just cruising. And I saw a tan EG hatch coming up behind me, um, kind of like the TRD Pro Tan or whatever. And so he's coming up behind me and he kind of pulls alongside of me and he's not paying attention to me because I'm really in the Jeep and that's probably not his thing. But um, I'm looking over and he's just got this kind of like half shit eating grin on his face just for no reason, just driving his car and grinning. And then he kind of gets around me in another car and kind of pops VTEC. I'm guessing it was like a B16. He just, yeah, yeah, you know, like just way off into the little horizon. And I was like, I was with my dad and I was like, damn, it has been a minute since I've seen that. You know what I mean? And it kind of struck a chord in me. It was actually, I, I just picked up a couple project cars and one is a 65 Dark. So we were like on the way back with that. And I had this feeling for a second. I'm super stoked about the dark, but then I was like, man, those are my roots. That was my roots that just went by. And, and it kind of hit me because this has happened little by little, maybe death by a thousand cuts. Where the fuck did those cars go? I mean, that car was not, that car wasn't a, a you know, a whatever, a, a, a top notch build by any means. It was just a real car that he was just running around the streets in and having a great time. And we don't, we're not seeing that anymore. And it's like, maybe this is just a product of me getting old. I had a birthday this week, by the way, but like it kind of vanished and turned into the good old days without me realizing it. And you look around now and it's a lot of stancy boy, um, a lot of tilty wheels, a lot of bags, a lot of four-door automatic cars out there. You know, like that's kind of what the import scenes turned into. Um, and I'm not knocking that. At, well, I kind of am. But, you know, part of that is is probably also my generation. It's just that's where the import scene started to kind of lose me a little bit is when, you know, when, like when, the, when that tilty wheel four-door automatic kind of thing came into play. Um, so got to be. well, hold on two things, because I don't want to lose the next chapter of this. We should probably write it down. The next chapter is the tilty boy kind of like, you know, bagged out car that kind of looks stock, except for its wheel fitment. That is now getting very long in the tooth. Um, that's what the kids were doing, but they're about to age out is my prediction. So that'll be chapter two, the age out. Um, chapter one that we can talk about now is... What happened? What happened to the Hot Boy Civics, the Golden Era Civics, the hatchbacks with no hood and different color bays and 
clean engines and they're just loud and brappy as shit and hell-raising little cars. To me, there was so much similarity between the original Hot Rodder movement and the Honda scene. Um, as far as, you know, they're taking, well, I mean, you can take it from here. Just take it from here, man. Like, what happened? I mean, personally, I think the cars just got old and decrepit and unreliable. I mean, time kills everything eventually. And as reliable and as great as Hondas are, when you beat the crap out of them and you're constantly working on them and swapping motors and changing paint and cleaning out engine bays and stuff like that, it's the same thing that happened with DSMs. It's just 10 years later that, you know, DSMs were the unreliable version. So you got to see them die and get cannibalized a lot faster. Um, and I think that's kind of what's happened here. All the cool cars that we grew up on are still very cool. There's just not many of them out there anymore. They've been crashed. They've been cannibalized, salvaged, forgotten, pushed away. I mean, and you got to remember, like, it's it's it was a different kind of car back then. When, when you're talking about when you and I grew up, which is the the what the late 90s, early 2000s, when we were really, really getting into cars. Think about just think about the the cars that we had our at our disposal, the cars that were popular in the scene back then. You had the DSM stuff. And, and some people probably don't know what I mean when I say that. Uh, it's Diamond Star Motors, like Eclipse GSXs, GSTs, the Eagle Talons. Uh, you had the the Mark IV Supras. You had Nissan 300 ZXs. You had uh, FDRX7s. Um, all the Honda stuff, all the SIs. You, you had, uh, if you were, you know, had big money, you had an Acura NSX. Like there were so many, all the GTIs and stuff. The fact is, there were so many choices back then. And they were all pretty affordable, so it was easy to get into it. And that's just not the case anymore. Cars are more expensive now than they've ever been before. And over the last 10 to 15 years, automotive manufacturers haven't really made that many vehicles that are for that demographic of people. I mean, if you kind of look through it, what, Nissan made the GTR, which is still too expensive for anybody to get into. So you got the 350Z or the 370. Car was always pretty underwhelming. Toyota gave us what? You got the new Supra, which is the same thing as the GTR. It's too expensive. It has no manual transmission. So people like me don't give a shit. You got the FRS, which is basically a Scion, not interested. Um, or a Subaru. I'm sorry. My mind's all over the place right now. What else do you have? I mean, the new Hondas, as much as I want to get into them, they don't have the spirit of the old Honda. Like an old an old uh, 99 Civic Si had a sportiness to it straight out of the factory. And it was really easy to take that thing, throw it on some some cheap, well, not cheap, but just like really not expensive Eibach lowering springs, throw an exhaust on it, make sure you had the one with the manual transmission, and boom, you have a fun car. And it always kind of had that, even though it wasn't a fast car, it had the spirit of a sports car. And it had cool lines, and it looked good, especially when you lowered it on some some cool wheels. The new Hondas aren't very aren't so much like that. They're more plasticky. They're more generic. Um, I guess the best way I can explain it is, back in the day, there was always a distinct difference in my mind between a Honda and like a Toyota Camry. A Honda could become something way more than. Whereas a Camry was always going to be a Camry, no matter what, you know, just not my cup of tea. And I think the, the new Hondas 
are more like Camrys than they are old Hondas. If you're not a car person, you're probably not going to understand that analogy, but I hope some of you do. That's just the way that I see it. But at the end of the day, I think it's just kind of an aging out thing. And the thing that that really worries me is the Stancy Boys, the Tilty Wheel cars that you're talking about. The reason that you and I didn't like that so much is because when that change happened, when that was implemented, it got to be uh, that that's basically coincides with when Instagram took over because it was mm-hmm. all about how cool can you make your car look? And then it was not about performance anymore. The whole reason I got into modifying cars and stuff like that is for the performance side of things. I wanted to go to the track with my buddies. I wanted to see if I could do little mods to make big differences. I really enjoy, enjoyed the driving side of it. Whereas the VIP movement or the stance movement, whatever you want to call it, was much more about looking cool, parking lot princesses, you know? Um, And I feel like with that came the kind of mean mugging attitude. They weren't about racing, so they weren't helping each other wrench on the weekends and stuff like that. And it was just a a kind of different genre altogether. And it was was a, a bit of a turnoff for me. In my opinion, the natural progression, if you go from the hot rodders, then to the, the, the import style guys like me and you, which were all about performance, and then you jump over to the VIP and the Stancy Boy stuff, which is more about looks, it's a natural progression, in my opinion, for the next lineup of car guys, especially with the lack of cool options they've had out there, is probably going to be to jump to EVs because it's still not really so much about performance. It's a very flaccid, hey, look at me kind of thing. Um, that's what I think happened, and that's where I think is it's going. Yeah, I think we, you got to trace it back to what, you, you know, you had the hot rodders. And, and the hot rodder thing in the 50s boomed because they were going and they were taking, you know, grandpa or dad's hand-me-down car and they were turning it into something that is very very similar as to what happened in the original import boom where you know when we were teenagers or whatever your parents were saying i mean you get my old integra and we were going okay you know and and there was a lot of that stuff going on and you mentioned a lot of the glory cars of that era but there was just everybody was modifying everything back then neons focus you know what i mean like the stuff that didn't necessarily pan out as well but it was just everything went you know what i mean there was so much diversity um back then but anyway my point is okay so you know you had the hot rodder thing happen and then the automotive industry caught up to it and started making pony cars kind of pre-made hot rods and and then also muscle cars and that you know, really flourished through the 60s into the early 70s. Then in 73, you had the gas crunch, which changed everything. Um, It was a little bit later than that. You also had the damn government mandate crash bumpers in the U.S., which changed automotive design. You went from slimline bumpers on Porsches or even like the, you know, the muscle cars had thin bumpers. They had to start putting those big tank bumpers that, that basically destroyed automotive design. Well, so two things happened. Big gas guzzling power was out and these, you know, and these big clunky bumpers were in. America was having a hard time with it. Japan and Europe took to it really well, um, especially aesthetically. Japan got it. They came in with polyurethane type bumpers and started like 
building the bumper into the shape of the car, whereas America was still going, put this big giant bumper on this Caprice or whatever. And so throughout the 80s, for a lot of reasons, because of, of design and things like that, and because Japan was really good at making fun cars without a lot of power, they found their footing. And so did Europe. You know, Europe already had that. And, and so through the 80s, it built and built and built and built. And they started really figuring out how to deal with economical cars that were fun and pretty quick. And you got to remember back then, back in the early 80s, GTIs were kicking Mustangs asses and doing it with like 90 horsepower or something. So like it was getting attention. It was getting a swell. And it was all leading up to the 90s. And then by the time you got to the 90s, you know, the import companies were absolutely on a on a roll, you know, um, and it just really synced up with youth, youth culture at the time um, where we were. I mean, the kids were really receptive to it in in the 90s. It was cool to be in your face. It was cool to offend. You know, it was cool to go larger than life. You got to think about what was driving us back then everything the music everything was like offensive and and you know like anyway i'll get to that in a second but it was like building and it was building and it was building and you had punk rock and and freaking gangster rap and ska and all this stuff was about like being just louder and louder and louder and and the whole youth culture was promoting it and that's kind of where me and you came up so that was ingrained into who we are it was all about being obnoxious and offensive um, and you're right, the Hondas were really, really well built. So, whereas the DSMs were immediately kind of fast enough to break themselves. And because we were learning, we were buying those little Profect V boost controllers and cranking them things and stomping the shit out of Hondas in the early days. But then it caught up to us. We were paying for yeah. our sins, you know? Whereas the Hondas, they weren't really torquey enough to break themselves. The Honda community was vast in numbers and they figured stuff out and then they figured out the swaps and they figured out boost and they figured out all this stuff. And so it got about another solid decade of use. Um, <clears throat> but you're right. I think ultimately as great as an Integra and a, and a little hatchback SI and all those cars were ultimately they got to a point where they kind of aged out and like what you could really daily drive. Um, and, and, and that's a sad thing because those cars were really driver's cars, man. Those 90s cars, the 80s cars, they hit differently. They just looked different. People looked more alive in them. The windows were down more often. They had more personality. Um, and so maybe, you know, a lot of this has to do with our age. Maybe we peaked around that same time, you know, like, like as far as being the youth or whatever. Like we were the oldest of the youth at that point. You know what I mean? We were the leaders. Um, and and then the world changed. Then being offensive became like, I don't know, offensive. And then <laughs> rather than funny. And like being cool became uncool. And the music got whiny, you know? Like emo got whiny rather than pop punky and fun and some 41-ish. And and rap got to whatever the hell that is now, where they just kind of cried on the microphone and made really bad rhymes. And, and it, it just, the, the, the clothes got wimpier, you know, like the pants. It, got, it became, it like, became it's less fun. The hair went to this, this thing again. And like the whole, like, it just, 
like everything changed right as we were right about the age to go fuck this <laughs> you know like like when did this get not cool any and it was hard i think it was hard for a lot of people that were our age because it was just a different a different group of kids that were coming up and you're absolutely right you had a great point instagram became a real driving force you didn't like car culture used to be the only way to do it was on the street like mm -hmm. that's where car culture happened you ripped around the street and you were a little asshole and yeah there might have been the nerdy people in the back it was like i can't believe they're revving at this car show but you didn't hear them because you know because they were over there being quiet in the corner well the internet gave those people a voice the other place that car culture happened in our day was forums which were relentless <laughs> like like that was it was just bashing on everything it was I, that they would never survive in 2022. You know what I mean? Like, remember in Port Atlanta, the red light district, people were absolutely ruthless to each other on that on that platform. Um, what do you think? What do you think DQ is these days? Yeah, I know people were just straight up assholes, and it was great. I mean, all we did was get on there to bully the shit out of each other, but like nobody took it personally. You know, it was just it was just straight up talking shit all the time. Um, <laughs> stuff that I can remember people saying on there, you would get, oh my God, you get, you get put on CNN for that shit now. Um, so, you know, all that kind of changed. Instagram made everything super vi visual. Cars that maybe didn't function that well would get a lot of, of attention on Instagram. Um, and you're right. I, you know, I think that when the stance stuff came in, which ultimately led to whatever it is now, where it's just, you know, OEM plus, whatever they want to call it, it's essentially wheels and bags as your build kind of a thing, you know, um, that's fashion. Like that's fashion to me more than it is car culture. I mean, I understand that these kids are young and they're doing their thing and they're having fun and they don't give a shit what I think. Um, and I respect that, but you know, <clears throat> Coming from where, from my vantage point, I can see where social media made things about fashion more than feel. You know what I mean? And it changed everything. I think For that, sure. the, like you said, the Hondas are still out there, but they have now, we've turned into like the, the muscle car guys. We're the older guys. The Hondas are out there, but they're not getting driven on a daily basis. And when I say the Hondas, I mean the old ones, the good ones, you know, like they're not getting driven. They're getting kept in the garage and taken out on nice days. Um, and I think I mean, it'll be thousands of swaps do you think have been done with Honda vehicles? For every swap that's done, that's a car that's cannibalized and no longer functional. It's It's been taken to the scrapyard for the most part. Um, I mean, just just think about how many have done. Like, like you you did a freaking motor swap on, on your CRX in your driveway. It literally was happening every single day during the heyday of the Honda boy stuff back then. So those cars are freaking gone, man. They are, they are rare minerals at this point. The ones that are still around are, I mean, let's face it in terms of like, are they good cars as in good to drive and all the electronics and the, the nice, you know, the niceties you want in a car nowadays, they don't have any of that stuff. The people that own them are probably mine and your age. And they're like, ah, I'm just going to drive my uh, Yukon today. And maybe next weekend, little Honda, maybe next weekend. I'll Because that's the way I am with my freaking cars. I've got three fun cars that I hardly ever drive for that exact same reason. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's sad, and I think they'll always be around, and I think, in a sense, they'll make a comeback. I think a lot of guys that are mid-30s and up right now are starting to miss those days, you know, and they're going to go back and they're going to build one. Um, you know, just like in the 90s, people were missing their muscle cars, and they went back and they started building them, and they kind of created that second boom. Um, you're right, the ones that were built delicately, you know, all the all the Bondo that was in some of those bays, just like in the Nopi era, the, the shaved bumpers, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? How people like Bondoed all the seams. Yeah, those cars didn't age, you know what I mean? They cracked and they went to hell. Um, but I think a lot of the Hondas out there that just had decent swaps, those things will endure. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, chapter two, I guess, <coughs> unofficially of what we're doing is, um, the, the Stancy Boy crowd, for lack of a better word, those guys, the indoor car show guys, you know what I mean? Like the guys that, that, that you know, um, they're not spring chickens anymore. You know what I mean? Like the stance thing has been going on for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. Usually trends come and go every four or five years. And I know stance is, let's call it wheel fitment. That's here to stay. Like, you know, 12 years ago or, or more than that now that uh, there was a focus on that and that'll be here forever. But um, the guys that are basically taking whatever car they get without care and putting them on bags and some sort of boutique wheel, you know, like when the, when the focus is on the wheel more than the car that you're actually driving, like that stuff has been going on now for a decade, probably. Um, a lot of those guys have got to be, pushing their late 20s by now, uh, which is where people start falling out. Um, you know, historically, 30s or so is where people start aging out of this stuff. It's where they buy a responsible car, like you said, that they end up driving all the time and the other one fades off until they eventually sell it. Um, how much longer do you think it's going to be before the next, next generation? See, we're the generation to where, like, we're, we see ourselves as the original import dudes you know, the tuner boys, and then it went to the Stancy boys. And now there's probably prime to be the next, next thing. The, the next, next thing for youth car culture, you know? Um, See, so I, I thought the <laughs> next thing, as you're calling it, was going to be Amer these new age, these modern muscle cars becoming affordable. I really thought that was going to be the next trend. These these 5.0 Mustangs and the Camaros and all the Dodge products and everything that have been made over the last, you know, so I guess it's been going on for about 10, 10 plus years now. I thought that those vehicles would become more affordable and that would be the big renaissance. But I guess because of COVID and supply and demand issues, at least up to this point, that hasn't really happened yet. Two things. Did we just answer our neck, our, our very own question, which is that the next next thing is the takeover kids? Because <laughs> if so, damn it. <laughs> but hey, those kids are young. They're dumb as shit. They're, they, they're, they don't know shit about cars. They're just taking over intersections. I hope to God <laughs> that that's not what car culture has been, uh, you know, whatever has come to. Um. So let's just pretend that that doesn't exist. I think that 
your prediction is absolutely smart. I remember sitting with you at like an import alliance or something when you came to that conclusion. Um, because what was it, 2011 or so, they started putting coyotes and Mustangs. It got real. The Pony Wars came back, you know, 2010. The Camaros were in, you know, Dodge was getting more and more powerful. And I was like, holy shit. When these cars get to hit that, you know, that eight-year-old slash $15,000 range, it's going to be on because these cars are seriously powerful. And the one thing that us import boys always had on them was <clears throat> they handled like shit. Well, not anymore. You know what I mean? Like, first of all, imports have all gotten bigger and the Mustangs have gotten better, you know? And, and so mm -hmm. it got real even, except for the fact that the Mustangs made way more power um, yeah. and the domestics in general. But yeah, that went completely freaking bonkers. I mean, and, you know, it had so much steam. And I think Corona was a part of killing it. I think that the automatic transmissions were a part of killing it. I think that Camaro destroyed visually the front end of that car and just made it, it just stop sales. Like, it, people were like, what the hell? Like, and, and it just stopped dead in its tracks. Um, I think there's probably a few things. I mean, Corona, you know, made the price of cars stupid. I mean, a 2017 Mustang is as expensive now with 80,000 miles as it was in 2017. It's bonkers. Yeah. And so, as a guy who owns a 2017 Mustang, I love that for my investment, but it's bad for what we need to happen in the industry in order for this type of thing to happen. Because, see, that's the thing. That's the key to this whole thing. If you want to continue having a new generation of people who modify cars and have that camaraderie and come together and have car shows and races and everything that you need to make this niche industry happen the price of admission has to make sense and for the past several years it has not made sense who the hell what normal kid who comes from normal circumstances in high school or college can afford to get into not only buying a cool car but having the money to modify it have you seen that I, I know that you and i don't pay for parts Shh, don't tell anybody <laughs> you know we don't pay for parts but everybody else does those things are freaking expensive, man. Like it is not what it used to be anymore at all. Well, it's very expensive to, to get in and start playing the game now. And I understand why it's dying off because dude, you gotta be, you gotta have some money. You gotta have some serious skin in the game to play nowadays. In our day, the recipe was absolutely right. Um, the cars were cheap and, and you know, car, like entry level, in 99, like a Civic Si was like 16 or 17 grand. That was really doable. You know what mm. I mean? Like that's like, I'm out of, basically that was very doable for like, I'm done with high school, I'm going to college, my mom wants me in something reliable. Boom, yeah. Civic Si, you could convince them of that. Um, mm. Or I'm out, of I'm out of high school, I'm not going to college, but I have a job, I can afford this car payment. It's very manageable. Um, and then I, you said several years, I, I would even trace this back to like 2003, four, like as soon as the manufacturers, the Japanese auto manufacturers realized what was happening, like in the, in the import world that these cars were booming, what did they do? They started sending WRXs, Evos, STIs, these cars, even 20 years ago, were hitting 35 grand, 40 grand for the, for the MRs and stuff like that. And it did start to price it out. 
the import scene was fucking beautiful when it was cheap cars and, like you said, cheap entry into the lifestyle. Um, <clears throat> the parts were cheap. They were plentiful. It was a lot of tangible parts, like, oh, man, I'm going to get this cool part, and I'm going to put it in this engine, and it looks badass, and it sounds badass. might not have really made the car that much faster, but it was fine. And now it's, well, I'm going to get my flash for my GTI, and now I make 400 horsepower. Yeah. Like, whoop de doo You know, it's taken, yeah. the, it's taken the fun out of speed. It's, ta- it's, it's just kind of made it too easy. Um, the I mean, price- I mean let's, let's, let's take back really quick just to help put it into context a little bit more. Think, go, go back to the money side of things. If you wanted to get into it right now and you were to go buy something, some five-year-old car you could talk your parents into helping you with and then start modifying it, it'd probably be like what? I don't know. Maybe, maybe an SI or a GTI. You had a GTI a couple of years ago. Um, what, what, what are those, you know, let's say five, six, seven, eight years old. What are those going for now? In this market? Yep. Low 20s. Low 20s. And that's probably about the best deal you're going to get. So so you're talking about twenty dollars to $30,000 is the price of admission just to get the vehicle, not even to buy your first mod. To put that into perspective, when I got my first little fun car, it was a 1995 Eclipse GST. Um, I bought it in 2002, I think. So it was only a seven-year-old vehicle. I bought it for four grand. Four. Yeah. I bought my GST. My GST was nice. And it was a 97, bought it at the end of 01 for like 11. Yeah. You know? So everything, I've had people, I've made similar points on, on in articles and stuff. And people have said, well, when you account for inflation today, I mean, that's 16 thousand dollar si would easily be thirty thousand dollars it's not it's easy to do the calculations and say well you know know, the price of things have like doubled but they haven't like the average amount of money that you had in your pocket in 2001 might have been less but there was like more of it you know what i mean there was less monthly subscriptions there was not cell phones uh, the 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 economy, the country was stronger. There was less competition for what you were buying. You know, like if you were young, you bought like CDs and car shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was kind of it. Life was simple and it was good. You could afford, you know, you could in in 2000, you could afford a, a $20,000 car without too much trouble. In 2022, that's $20,000 car is like 36 and it's not as easy to afford it. There's just more going on. There's more weight. Of the, the country's not as strong as it was. And that was the, the point that I was going to make is like, when we're talking about our muscle car prediction, that's kind of backfired because of the state of things. Like, you know, the country has gotten weaker. Like it's harder to get by now. Um, we're not flourishing like we used to flourish. And part of that is maybe we lose car culture. You know what I mean? Like the car culture as it was in America was the result of like a very strong middle class. You know what I mean? Like we had, whether it was us or our parents or we had some help here and there, or you know what I mean? Like, like we were able to kind of play with cars and do that kind of stuff. 
I mean, if the country keeps going the way that it's going now, that's going to evaporate. Like it's becoming like, let's sustain, let's pay our rent, let's pay our phone bill. And then good God, all the other monthly charges that get debited out of somebody's account and what's left. You know what I mean? Like, on top of that, cars are less charismatic. They're less fun. They're more kind of just capsule And so the, 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 the lure into it is kind of not what it used to be. Um, so yeah, what is next? What's next for the young generation? You know, if it's not gonna be cheap muscle cars, what is it gonna be? <laughs> like, there's nothing cheap. So when, when the cars are expensive, when the entry point is $40,000, with stupid markups and delays and waits and all of this, people just, they don't get involved. It's hard, it's difficult. It's not, it's not fun. It's fun when it's right there in front of you and it's affordable. And, and see, I think that brings us full circle around to our original question is, and that is what does happen to this segment of the industry moving forward? And I think a lot of that hinges on how people perceive and respond to the EV the EV movement, because let's let's go back to the the modern muscle cars again, the the S550 Mustangs, the ugly Camaros, and all the Dodge stuff, and we'll even throw Corvettes in there, because that was the stuff. Not so much the Corvettes, but that was the stuff that I thought was going to get to be dirt cheap and was going to be the next Renaissance. So with EVs not only becoming popular but becoming mandated here in, in the next you know several years, what's going to happen to demand for those types of vehicles is it going to be one of those things where people go well evs here and it's just awesome those cars are worthless now nobody wants those things anymore it's gonna be hard to get gas those cars are worthless and then they're going to plummet and if they do plummet will there be anybody there to buy them up and and shoulder the load carry the mantle or or will the whole ev thing get fought tooth and nail to the end and the price of those cars say stay super high because they're kind of like collector vehicles of a soon to be forgotten era. You know, I, I think that there's just a lot that's that we cannot predict yet, a lot that's going to happen. A lot of that's gonna hinge on how good these EVs get and how quickly do they become good, how well can they convince people that this is actually truly the future instead of just saying it's truly the future. Like there's 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 a lot that's going on here. It's funny to say that the the uh, <laughs> the aftermarket and and the industry and even muscle cars, the future of all that hinges on the marketing strategy of electronic vehicles. That's kind of funny to look at it that way, but I do think it's going to have a lot to do with it. It's going to correlate. Yeah, and will car culture transfer over to EVs? Um... And if it does, will it be the same? You know what I mean? Like, I don't get passionate. I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I don't get passionate over my microwave or a toaster. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a different thing. And yes, there are people out there that are definite computer enthusiasts, you know, that mod computers or phones or whatever. So there will be those people out there. But is it just gonna be a different type of person? You know what I mean? Like, well, car culture as we know it, which is kind of gritty and kind of bad boy, you know, at least it always has been since the hot rod days, kind of rule breaker shit. Like, will that transfer over to EV 
or is car culture dead and EVs become, you know, it, it, do cars just become an appliance that's like, why would I care about it? It's, you know, it's like me getting psyched over a TV. It, it just doesn't happen. Going, going back to my previous example, do all cars eventually become Camrys? Yeah. And it's interesting because if the government does not overstep and if all the EV people are right and car internal combustion cars do plummet in value, they'll only plummet to a certain point before people go, hmm, hang on a second here. And then, you know, they're going to start scooping them up. And that in and of itself will create like the most epic like car culture revolution ever. Um, so that could be cool, you know, I mean or it there's a lot of really really cool cars out there that to be honest a lot of them are in the hands of people who are not going to do anything cool with them this could put it in the hands of a lot of people who will do cool stuff with them absolutely um and the the other problem is like electric you know we're talking about the next generation i don't think the next youth generation of car culture is going to be electric because we're talking about regular cars being expensive electric cars are stupid expensive um so you're going to have to wait for the electric cars to become hand-me-downs for like for the average, you know, parents to get the electric cars and then start saying, here, son, here, daughter, here's an electric car, you know, and then them wanting to be interested enough to modify it. The problem is an electric car, by the time it gets to that second owner, it's, it's fucking obsolete. It's, you know, it, it, batteries on the last legs, batteries are $30,000, at least they are right now. And then... Well, people want to modify something that's fast already. Like the EVs are so effortlessly fast that it takes the fun of being fast out of the equation altogether. It's it's just, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's fast. Whereas before it was something to strive for, you know what I mean? It was something to work to, to try and make a car faster. When, when boom, they're all fast, does that just take it off the table and nobody cares about fast? That's what I'm trying to go back to, like, does EVs make car culture just null and void? Like, yeah. who cares? It drives itself and it's fast. You know, like, so it takes the car, the culture out of car culture. I'll tell you this, it definitely makes exotic cars irrelevant. What's, what's the point in having a Lamborghini if it gets spanked by a Tesla Plaid? It takes, it takes the spice out of life. It takes the beauty and the color out of life. It's basically saying, man, all those cool things out there that were different displays of speed and performance and style and art, like none of that matters anymore. We're all just going to drive white, black or burgundy Teslas. You know what I mean? It just takes the fun out of it. Yeah, because I mean, as long as we've been on this planet, a Lamborghini was cool because... It was like the ultimate. It was like, man, that is an in-your-face color, and it is an in-your-face sound, and it is an in-your-face style, and it is, you know, just rowdy and expensive, and it's exotic. But now you're taking everything about that, and you're making it not exotic, you know? And it's just, like I said, it's just taking the art and the spice out of life, dude. Technology is fucking up the fun in life. Yeah, I, I do feel like we've definitely teetered across that line of te functional technology and like taking it too far. We, we've gotten to the point where we, we it, it's technology just because. 
instead of trying to truly make things better. We talked about this recently with touchscreens, like touchscreens compared to buttons and knobs, total failure. Buttons and knobs are so much faster and more efficient and just they work with our fingers absolutely perfectly. Instead of going through a freaking touchscreen menu and finding it, I got to go to settings and now it's not in there. Like, uh, while you're trying to drive, it's just not a good way to do it. That is an example of technology just because. I do think with several things, we've just gone too damn far and it's time to reel it back in. I mean, everything, everything it touches, it fucking takes the color out of it. You know what I mean? You look at, you just look at malls. Malls used to be like the spot, you know, and now everybody buys online. Blockbuster used to be the thing to do on a Friday night. Now everybody does Netflixes or whatever the hell they do now. Um, going to Circuit City and going down the CD aisle used to be like, let's go do that. That was an activity. Now it's just, you know, you stream it on Spotify. Like, you know, cars used to be like, man, we're going to, you know, buy this and do this and all these kind of fun things. Whoa, Tesla's faster. You know, it just takes the fun out of every fucking thing. It's funny you say that because me and, me and Bree, my wife Bree, we're talking about this recently when it comes to the movie industry. Movies from the 80s and the 90s were so fucking optimistic and charismatic and hopeful. And it was always about some young person who like went on the adventure of their life because they got out of their comfort zone. And, you know, they, they, they found something amazing that they fell in love with. And the story goes whichever way it goes. But it's always because they got out of their comfort zone, they went and they found life. And now if you watch Hollywood movies, so much of it about is about staying in your comfort zone and being depressed and how depression is beautiful. And it's just, it's just <laughs> bullshit, man. It's bullshit. I feel like they're trying to force you to believe the lie that stay in your house, be bland, watch Netflix, shut the hell up, pay your taxes and eventually die, you know? Here, let me try and speak to the nerds, right? Like Star Wars. Did they get in their little star fighters and then just go, whoop, whoop, self-drive on? And get No, they drove them. Like, you know, like even, even back then, the idea of the future was like tech, but it was also like we're in it. Like we're going to strap ourselves to freaking rockets and we're going to go to outer space and we're going to do all. Well, why are we going to do that? We can just send a drone. Damn it! Like, you guys are just killing everything, you know? So, yeah, I mean, pay attention to it, guys. Like, technology is not all that it's kind of ingrained in your brain to be. It's not, man. And we hit a sweet spot. Like, we've got a lot of conveniences in our life. But, like, where are we going to go? Are we going to go so far overboard that, like, we don't do shit? You know, like... it. I've already got friends about that. riding electric mountain bikes with me on the mountain bike trail. It's gotten stupid. Like, it's dumb. Dude, you ever seen the movie Wally? It's exactly what it is. Dude, I was going back and watching clips of Demolition Man today. I was trying to write an article. GM, we can close with this, I guess, because we're probably about that point. GM just patented a steering wheel. They're not making it yet, but they patented this thing where it changes its girth. You know? <laughs> so, like, it's got these little, like, I don't know, whatever the hell you want to call it, inside of it, and it can get thicker or narrower. And they're like, we well, you know, like if you have a Corvette and you're taking it to the track, maybe you want it a little bit bigger. So it, you know, it feels like a sports car. But then when you're on the road, you might just want it narrower. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just want it to be race car mode all the time? Like, that's where cars lost me. 
back in 1990 when Porsche made the little weenie tail on 911 that went whoop. I was like, what? Why would you? The, the wings should be big and it should be on it all the time. It's a big display of fucking speed. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want my chin spoiler to go when I go above seven. No, I want it to be out there all the time. Big, giant for the whole world to see. I guess that's just me. I guess, you know, the newer people in this world, they, they like the little button that makes it go up and down and that gets them off. I don't like that. I want the steering wheel to be thick all the fucking time. There's never a scenario where I'm like, I wish my steering wheel was narrower so I could grab it easier. <laughs> you know, it's just dumb, dude. It's just dumb shit. The steering yeah. wheel. Yeah, I agree. That is a good spot to end it. Everybody who just listened to the last two minutes there, please insert your own that's what she said joke at any point whenever you want. Go ahead. Sure. <laughs> Um, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, as always, you're awesome if you made it this far. If you did and you don't have our app yet, we just came out with it. Please go, go check out the new S3 app. For some reason, I don't know why, it's still only available on Apple Store. We're still working on the Google thing, beating our heads against the wall for that. It'll be done soon, maybe, probably, hopefully. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Take care.